Hey guys, you're listening to Caffeine Problems with me, Jacqueline Smith. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. (laughs) This is probably going to be a special Saturday episode, I suppose, because when I'm recording it, it's pretty late on Friday night, but I had a show all lined up for you guys. It was about impatience and kind of what's a little bit deeper when you look at impatience, what's underneath all of that. But I've gotten a lot of nudges from the universe and God and and things that I believe in today that that's not what I need to be talking about. (laughs) Today is the last day of April when I'm recording this and thusly the last day of technically it's Autism Awareness Month, but there's a, a shift in calling it Autism Acceptance. It will be nice if and when that officially becomes the title of the month, but Autism Acceptance Month, nonetheless. And I really felt compelled to kind of talk about it. It's really hard for me to let you guys into my son's world for a lot of reasons, not least of which is the energy that I let hit me about their lives also infiltrates to them. It's unavoidable. I'm their mother. (laughs) They spend most of their time with me. So I've protected that sacredness of their trust in me and our relationship and the fact that I am the filter through which the world gets to reach them. But I have options with this. I can either listen to and wait for conversations that don't seem to be happening about autism, even though I am not autistic myself. I identify as neurodiverse. That's a whole other episode. (laughs) But I'm not autistic. And I can't ever tell you what that experience is going to be like, which is why I'm a bit hesitant to even talk about it in general. I feel like the voices that should be uplifted are actually autistic individuals who are in many, many cases more than capable of expressing themselves. However, my sons don't have a voice yet. So if I want people to accept them, or at least have a shot at it, if I want people to be educated about what our lives look like, then I probably have to talk about it myself for now. And this is probably going to, I'm going to cry at least once this episode. Let's just buckle in for that. All right. (laughs) I apologize in advance, but I am, I am a raw nerve when I talk about my babies. So let's just, let's just do this. Autism is genetic. Vaccination injury is entirely different, but it's a lot less paperwork to call it autism. Things that are problematic are things like the puzzle piece. It infantilizes an entire demographic of people that are not children. It also implies things like they are a puzzle that needs to be solved or they are missing a piece. Neither of those things are true. Autism is neurodiversity. It simply means the brain works in a different way. And in a world full of neurotypical people, that way sometimes makes life difficult for them. (laughs) Symbolism that is generally accepted amongst autistic communities 
to represent them as opposed to the puzzle piece are things like the rainbow infinity symbol, which represents neurodiversity, or the gold infinity symbol, which specifically represents autism, mostly because AU, the first two letters of autism, is the periodic table of elements symbol for gold, which I think is really cool. (laughs) Another thing that can trip people up is the difference between having autism and being autistic. This is kind of dicey territory. From what I've observed from the adult autistic community, which again, I understand is just a small slice of the worldwide population, being autistic seems to be preferred since it is not a disease that one has caught or something that one can leave at home. It is very much a part of the identity. However, it is a fool's game to correct someone on their personal identification the same way that it would be for gender identity or sexual orientation. Each person gets to identify for themselves. So if an actually autistic person is saying that they have autism, that is more than acceptable. (laughs) I usually say that my sons are autistic. Until they correct me, that's what I'll continue to do. The same theory goes for the puzzle piece. If someone who is actually autistic is cool with the puzzle piece, so be it. Other problems that are associated with the puzzle piece, though, however, that I didn't mention before are its association with organizations like Autism Speaks, which are organizations that throw millions of dollars into researching autism prevention, which is incredibly problematic to the actually autistic community. Prevention dips into ideologies that are sometimes parallel with things like eugenics, And it's incredibly problematic. Autism inclusivity is far more important than quote-unquote prevention. Because again, genetics. It seems to be pretty common for families that have one autistic member to either have other members who are neurodiverse or autistic as well. The numbers right now are one in every 42 kids has autism, and that is a drastic increase from previous numbers. However, I think it's worth noting that even 100 years ago, less than, if you had a severely, quote-unquote, severely, we'll get into function label problems later, but if you had a severely autistic child, there was a very good chance that your doctor would simply suggest them be institutionalized. Families that wanted to keep families together would often not seek diagnosis. So while I'm certain there is an increase in the presence of autism in modern day society, there is an increase of presence of all sorts of characters and traits and neurologies as well. It's not specific to the quote-unquote problem of autism. Autism is considered by many states and federally as a disability. This is really tough. This is really, really tough. A lot of families are forced to label their loved ones disabled, whether that is their personal belief system for their loved one or not, in order to get the services that they so desperately need to function as a family. This includes everything from mobility aids to occupational, physical, and speech therapies to communication aids. There are labels like high-functioning, low-functioning, and levels such as one, two, and three-level autism. These can be problematic because all they describe is how well a person 
functions in a world that is not designed for them. It has nothing to do with the actual capabilities of the individual. It is also worth noting that it's very difficult for me to explain what our lives look like without using labels like high and low functioning. For my family, our issues, while there are social issues, which is a huge or rather well-known characteristic for autistic youths and especially adults, we're not even there yet with my sons. They're considered nonverbal, so they have no real recognizable words, which makes communication really difficult, and I've had to be very good (laughs) at anticipating what nudges and looks and the beginnings of baby sign language mean in order to make sure that they have what they need and to understand their emotions and their requests. There are a lot of people that are autistic that you would never even guess. And the funny thing about it is, the the irony, if you will, is that when you tell someone that your child is autistic or when you're explaining autism to someone, it's usually, again, considered a disability. However, much of the technological advances of the 20th and 21st century have been actually made by autistic people. We just didn't have the label for it. An unusually large portion of Silicon Valley requires autism-related services such as occupational speech and physical therapy. And yet, with our babies, is considered a disability. And that's not to dismiss the very real speech, sometimes physical, emotional, social, and executive function delays or quirks or obstacles that autistic people can have. But it doesn't mean that they're any less capable of getting to the proverbial finish line of whatever it is that they're interested in. So what does all of this mean? It means that our days are filled with pretty stringent routine, a lot of boundaries, a lot of sensory input to help with emotional and physical regulation. There's a trampoline in the middle of my living room and a bouncy Dalmatian toy and a faux exercise bike. (laughs) Um, There's no way that this living room would be mistaken for a place where adults live. It means that there are half a dozen weighted blankets in this house. It means that food is very specific and intentional. And it's the same time and time again. It means that sugar makes my kids cuckoo-cachoo. It means that sometimes our mornings, sometimes our after school, are filled with speech therapy and occupational therapy and doctor's appointments and the like. It means that the idea of going to a playground terrifies me and that my greatest fear is not that my kids will never be happy. I know that they're happy. My greatest fear is that, God forbid anything happened to me, no one will be able to understand or advocate or protect them the way that I have grown so accustomed to because they don't have the words to tell anybody. 
that's my biggest fear. I know that they would be loved, but I have no idea if they would be understood. And navigating a world that is completely and utterly not for you must suck. I can't tell you what it's like to watch your two-year-old get upset. And punch himself in the head till he creates blood blisters and bruising unless you intervene which just escalates the situation but it pretend it prevents the bodily harm but i know that it is 10 times worse for him than it is for me i know that every doctor's appointment every new specialist means thousands that might be a little dramatic, at least hundreds of questions about everything from when I first thought there was a problem to what I did during my pregnancy, how long I breastfed, exactly what week and day they were born, how much they weighed, how long they were, if I took any medications, doctor sanctioned or not. Add that to the vaccine narrative and add that to the ignorance about autism, that this is something that happens to a child, and it reinforces this incredibly hurtful and toxic narrative that I did something. That's also an interesting and unique thing about autism. If your child is born blind, most people have the common sense to not ask you if you vaccinated them, or what you did while you were pregnant or what kind of delivery that they had. And yet, when you say that your child is autistic, somehow all of these questions feel appropriate to strangers, like there's some diagnostic epiphany that they're going to have on your behalf. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. Again, genetics. And because of the communication barriers, because of the lack of eloquent language, because of the bluntness and the directness that a lot of actually autistic people have, their voices are often not acknowledged for their own personal experiences. (laughs) So what am I asking of you? Nothing. (laughs) Just listening. When you see a child having a behavioral problem in the store, don't be a dick. When you see two, quote-unquote, they look normal, twin four-year-old boys show up at the local pool during the disabled and elderly swim time, don't question their mother as to why they're there. When someone tells you that their child is autistic, don't assume that it's a behavioral problem gone crazy. And please, 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 when someone tells you that their child is autistic, don't say I'm sorry. I understand that the phrase is supposed to express compassion and empathy, but that's not what that word means. It's an apology. There's nothing to apologize about my kids. They're healthy and beautiful and full of light and love. They've literally not met a human that they don't like. There's nothing to apologize for, but when you say that, it's really hard to not feel a small amount of shame, which I'm certain is the exact opposite of what you're trying to do (laughs) when you say that to someone who tells you that there's something different about their child. It's okay to say, that must be difficult, 
It's okay to say, oh, I had no idea. It's okay to say, thank you for feeling like you could tell me that. Just don't say sorry. Autism is also something that seems to only be of interest if someone in your family is neurodiverse. And that's okay. But when you read things on the internet about autism, understand it is most one of the most wildly misled, unfact-checked, hysterical, asinine, conspiracy theorist corners of the internet that there even is. <laughs> Listen to autistic voices. Even autistic caretakers can sometimes be really overwhelmed by the incredible things that are asked of them as parents to these precious people. And sometimes feelings that are human but dark cloud their ability to really represent a demographic of people that they are not. There are comedians, there are actors, there are scientist after scientist, there are musical prodigies, there are savants, there are people that you would never expect to be neurodiverse or autistic that are in art that you love, in science that you enjoy, in medicine that has helped you. They're kind of everywhere. <laughs> so listen when they tell you things. And again, I say all of this knowing that I have barely left the base camp of the Kilimanjaro, of trying to understand what all of this means for my kids, but I feel like it's important to talk about it while I'm at this stage because I can tell you that I still very much remember the first couple of bits of information that were the most shocking and really kind of turned around my thought process on the whole thing, like the puzzle piece stuff and the commonness of it and the history of autism. The history of autistic people is really dark and tragic and doesn't have to be anymore. So, <laughs> I think the last thing that I want to say is I don't want to speak for my sons, but I can tell you exactly who they are. They are so bright and inquisitive and resilient as fuck. They are funny and mischievous and very much just four, just like any other four-year-old. Our lens is just a little bit different, and I'm so thankful for it. These truths that I, we know now about who they are have truly set me free in so many ways. And I feel like that can also be accomplished any time that we embrace any way in which our children are different. Neurotypical is a very interesting concept. That I have yet to meet a human being that doesn't have a quirk or two. <laughs> and while we are not all a little bit autistic, that is 100% unfactual. Most of us, if we really let our hair down, don't completely fall into the mainstream narrative either. So embrace it. If you have kids that like weird things and hyper-focus and talk about the same thing all day long or have aversions to large groups of people, let them roll with it. Don't snuff out who they are because it makes them the weird kid. Those weird kids fucking rule the world.
make no mistake, <laughs> they grow up to be pretty influential people if you love them. So I'm going to get off my soapbox about this, but um, I appreciate your patience with this topic. I appreciate you holding space for me to misspeak and only know what I know and to be very emotional about all of this. But it's really important to me. It's very hard for me to share my boys because I don't know what even people who are close to me perceive autism to be and what that means for my life and what that means of my sons. But if I don't talk about it, I risk us all having a very lonely life out here by ourselves on Awesome Island. (laughs) So if you have any questions or concerns or you yourself need resources for someone or some situation with yourself or a loved one feel free to dm me there's a lot of very reliable sources that we have available to us now that peoples didn't have 20 30 50 years ago so thank you for listening to me on something that very much may not affect you at all but it's heavy on my heart and i couldn't not share with you so thank you so much for your time there will be a less heart-wrenching episode <laughs> next week uh, for our Your Best Health Wednesday. I think that's what we're going to call them. Fuck it. That's what we're going to call them. And in the meantime, I love you. I see you. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon.